visit patreon.com slash sword and laser. Sword and Laser hopes you will enjoy this program. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. But mostly talk about food. <laughs> it is, that is the trend. Yes. Yeah, so I we mean, will try mostly. to bring it back around. Mostly would be overpromising, but you don't seem to mind. Like and the we're audience? not getting nominated for a Hugo anyway. So no, we're not. We didn't. Might as well just talk about whatever we want. Wait, did we? We didn't. No. That's didn't. why I said we didn't. We didn't. No, we didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why. Is that why? Well, that's what I'm saying. Have we strayed is, too far? I it, The audience does not seem to mind. No one has complained. And we kept not getting nominated even when we weren't talking a lot about food. So mm, mm-hmm. to me... Mm-hmm. I think we should just live our best lives. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I had a pork chop with beans and rice today. That's an interesting combination. Is it? Was it like a, was it like a, like a Latin style? Yeah. It was like a a, jerk chicken spice kind of thing. Yeah. With the beans and rice. Yeah. Um, I am big into, I I found out this is going to be interesting. Oh, by the way, now, sorry, Eileen's making pancakes. Just for funsies? After we ate, she's like, should I make pancakes? And I'm like, I love you. (laughs) And she's making pancakes. I love you and you do you, honey. If that's what's going to bring you joy. (laughs) I will eat pancakes. Some snack snack and pancakes. Exactly, Seth. Yeah, as Seth said, yeah. Um, I have to make waffles tonight. You have to. Weirdly. Why? I have to. The baby is out of waffles. Baby out of waffles. The baby, the baby's got to have his waffles. Baby's so you're not have making waffles. them for the baby to eat tonight. You're making them for the baby to eat in the future. Yes, like, I freeze them. You're preparing yeah. the waffles. I see. Yeah, yeah I okay, pre-make. Like I, I, this is how I sneak. Uh, you're not supposed to sneak vegetables into toddlers' diets. You're supposed to just normalize vegetables. Sure. But when I tell you that we have done a lot of work to normalize vegetables, mm-hmm. they are not getting it. Yeah. Um, I sneak spinach into his waffles. That's just spinach waffles. That's not sneaking. Yeah, they're just that's just making Grinch, spinach waffles. Grinch waffles, yeah. Grinch muffins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just fun eating green it food. It works. It works. They're yeah. chocolate spinach or banana spinach. High in iron, he, omegas. He care. Yeah. Yeah. Good, so good anyway, um, I on the other ham ham. I on the other hand, I got, um, I went to a really interesting seminar at my gym last week about, okay. um, menstruation, strength, and nutrition. Mm-hmm. And this is a very interesting factoid that I learned, which is that if you are on certain types of non-estrogen birth control, um, you are not getting the how do I, how do, how do I say it? Okay. So like estrogen helps you like helps your body rest. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have enough estrogen in your body, your body doesn't like 
make use of protein enough or it, does, uh, it needs more protein. Uh-huh. It impedes it needs the more ability protein. to make use of protein. It's yeah. not, it doesn't impede. I'm sorry. I misspoke. Okay. Okay. It, um, it requires more protein in order for your muscles to recover. Because estrogen ah, helps it, your muscles recover. So the other way to fill in what the estrogen was doing is more protein. More protein. Mm. And I was already not getting enough protein as a mm-hmm. vegetarian. Like I just don't tend to get enough protein. So I started just, I've been going ham on shakes. Ham and I know on it's shakes. Not like real, <laughs> I know it's not like real food, quote unquote, but it's more protein mm-hmm. to like, yeah. you know, to Have you noticed to a difference? Ingest. Yeah. I really have. Um, my energy levels have been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been taking a lot of supplements too, which, you know, I, I was always kind of like iffy on supplements, but mm-hmm. like the ones I'm taking have really been seeming to help with a That's, lot of stuff. Hey, so as long as you, yeah. even, even if they're placebos, I believe it's worth it if it helps. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so anyway, what's in your protein shakes? I, I use protein. like a chocolate <laughs> chocolate protein. Um, I add so like it's uh, protein powder. That's chocolate protein fl- powder. Uh-huh. Um, banana. Uh-huh. Greek yogurt. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Milk and water. So okay. a lot of dairy. So you get the protein powder, protein the milk, well. and the yogurt. Triple protein. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I add. Um, there's this product called like something greens. It's like AG one, and I have like the Canada version of that, and it's like. It's like how to get your the vitamins and minerals from vegetables without having to eat a ton of vegetables, and mm. you, you're not going to process it or uptake it as well. So as you're sneaking your vegetables. own vegetables into yourself. I am making crunch <laughs> shakes basically for myself. Yes, is uh, um, the Canadian version of AG One called G One? Eh? <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad (laughs) that's really funny. That's really funny. Um, so anyway, I'm eating a lot of shakes. That's kind of the eating a lot of shakes. Got it. Got it. And, 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 and an improvement and And feeling great great. and feeling great and working out and just, I have a lot of extra time on my hands right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, yeah, I got laid off this week, which is super fun. Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. Honestly. Um, Living in Canada uh, affords you a little extra, like, severance time. Um, mm. You get, like, three months instead of one or whatever it is. So, yeah, I'm just going to try to ski some more. Good. Eat better food, work out some more. Sneak some more hobbies. vegetables into your shakes. <laughs> you know, I'll give myself a month or so before I start, like, hardcore looking for a job just yeah. to kind of, like, reset. I haven't had, like, a break since, like, 2016. No, so. that's totally that's totally the right – that's the move. That's yeah. the move right yeah. there. All right. So anyway, that's my sad sob story for the night, but I'm all good. It's all good. Hey, everybody's getting laid off these days. My wife got laid off in June, so. Yeah. You know, club. Super club. fun club. We don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's move in. This is this is a, uh, a work that brings me joy. So I can I can say that, that we are here. Trying job now suddenly, and it pays me, and hopefully I'll get a new laptop. All right, <laughs> okay, <laughs> right, Tom. Indeed. Um, okay, quick burns. Uh, let's start with the good stuff. Uh, full trailer for Netflix's version of Three Body Problem. Seth pointed it out. Uh, says it captures the epic scope of Liu Shishin's novel. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, I you missed, haven't? I miss. No, I don't know if they've changed things uh mm-hmm. 
taken liberties with the trailer uh, to emphasize certain things that I don't remember from the book, or it's just been too long since I read the book. But I, I only recognized a few parts. I was like, oh, oh, what is that? What part is that? What part is that? I kind of think it's the second where the trailer is just obfuscating some of the major plot points for people who've never read the book. And that's why I'm like, what is that about? I don't remember that. Um, but that said, I, I thought it looked good. So I'm, I'm in. Because I remember the first trailer that I saw, which I guess was a shorter one, mm-hmm. did have elements that I recognized. Yeah. And there were still a few in here that I recognized, but okay. there was more stuff where I'm like, oh, what part is that? What's that from? Yeah. Fascinating. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still excited about it. I think I, I feel like it's going to be one of those shows that I put off for a really long time because uh, I'm uh-huh. too nervous imposing. about it being too intense. Yeah, yeah. It feels too, like too much, too much thing to get absorbed into. Well, you could um, start pretending it's out now and put it off until March 21st and then watch it when it comes out on March 21st. Boom. Boom. There you go. Always thinking, always thinking. Jan says, Tor Publishing is rebranding its online news and editorial presence. Online magazine Tor.com will become Reactor, reactormag.com. The new name is supposed to reflect the site's independence from Tor Publishing Group, as the site is reporting not only on Tor books, but on all sorts of genre-related items. I'm kind of glad they're doing this. Uh, I never minded that it was called Tor, but even Mm -hmm. knowing it was an independent publishing arm I would occasionally get confused. I would occasionally have that cognitive dissonance of like, wait, why is Tor? Oh, right. No, this is the the Tor uh, publishing uh, news. Yeah, got it. This is the magazine. So calling it Reactor will just kind of keep that separate. I think that's I think that's a cool name, too. I think it's a cool name. I think it's a good idea. I I don't know if I ever thought about it, which like, what does that mean? That I never like it never bothered me and I never really thought about it. I realized, I guess, I that they were had independent, a couple of situations even though they covered non tour things. On the show where we were like, wait, why is Tor talking about this? Oh, and maybe, then, yeah. Yeah. So not that they, you know, not that we didn't figure it out really fast, but yeah. the downside is that Reactor is a new brand. And so it, it may take yeah. a while for it to kind of catch some people on may and not have realize. the same gravitas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make that's the connection true. there. That's why we're here to tell everyone. When you see reactormag.com, that's tour.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Mark points out the 2024 Philip K. Dick Award nominees have been announced. Danged Black Thing by Eugen Bacon. The Museum of Human History by Rebecca Bergman. Infinity Gate by M.R. Carey, Wild Spaces by S.L. Coney, Where Rivers Go to Die by Dilman Dila, These Burning Stars by Bethany Jacobs are all the nominees. First prize and any special citations will be announced on Friday, March 29th at NorwestCon 46, and they will plan, post the plans for the ceremony there as well. Fabulous. Excellent. Congratulations to all the nominees. Seth says, next move for Keanu Reeves, writing a sci-fi novel with China Mieville, apparently? Wait, what? (laughs) So I didn't know that Keanu Reeves had a successful comic book series, but Keanu Reeves is taking part in writing a successful comic book series. uh, And apparently they're going to now turn that into a novel. Um, The Book of Elsewhere, published in print and ebook July 23rd. 
Fantastic. It's set in the world of the uh, Berserker comic series uh, from Boom Studios that Reeves created with Matt Kint and artist Ron Garney. Uh, the Book of Elsewhere is a, quote, science fiction at its very best, said Busey. Brucey. Who's Brucey? Um, the story, f- sorry, that is someone from earlier in the article <laughs> who is- uh, Ben Brucey, publishing director at Century and At Del- Century okay. and Del Rey, yeah. Um, the story follows an immortal warrior on a century-spanning quest to discover the key to his immortality and perhaps a way to free himself from it. Whoa. Very cool. So it's like a continuation of that world. Yeah, I think that's just cool. And it's kind of crazy that he got China Mieville, uh to team up with him on that because uh, that's that's talent. That's some talent to help you out. Well done, Keanu Reeves. I feel like this is – I haven't read Berserker, so I don't know the tone – but China Mieville has such a specific vibe to his books, to his novels. Um, I'm really curious to see how how those two things coalesce together mm-hmm. and how how well they fit. Um, because I, I feel like that could be super interesting. Uh, Yan wrote that Locus Mag reports the journalism professor Shen Yang won the Chinese Jiangsu Youth Popular Science Science Fiction Competition with the novel Land of Memories which was generated by AI and edited by Shen Yang. Uh, Mm. However, as Locus Meg writes, competition judges reported mixed opinions on the novel's quality, and at least one easily recognized the prose as being machine-generated. Almost feels like a statement, right? Because he's a journalism professor? Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, what is the statement being made here? What would you... Just not having, having, like, not fully researched the the ins and outs of this i'm curious what your yeah, initial I would, thoughts are here i would imagine it is uh someone wanting to show that you know these tools can be used to create uh and you know with editing uh provide uh a quality even if it isn't top quality but you know a quality effort and then start the conversation about where is the line between human machine and how should these two? I, it's a conversa- conversation started. That's that's what I think. It's it's someone trying to say we need to have conversations about what these tools mean, and I'm going to do this to help further that conversation. Fascinating. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's just so interesting to me that a journalism professor would be on that side of the coin, versus like this is a some kind of subversive tactic in a way. I don't know. I have I have mixed feelings about it. You would think a journalism professor would be more on the side of this technology is damaging or this technology Why? is dangerous. I don't know because I feel like that's the the because mm, that's what TikTok says. That's what TikTok. <laughs> I don't just get all my news from TikTok. Okay, Tom. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of journalists, uh, the ones I, I, the human ones I've talked to in person, um, see machine generation as something that could be helpful. Uh, and, and granted, not all of them, but uh, but many of them do, and many of them want it available in a way that that will make their jobs easier. They don't want mm-hmm. it to replace them, uh, mm-hmm. and they they don't want it to be misused. Um, but I was at a conference for a, a big content management publisher for big newsrooms in Europe, and all they were talking about was ways to bring the tools legitimately into the content management system so that they would assist uh, and be transparent about how they were used and, and all that sort of thing. So it, it seemed to be something that journalism is embracing um, in an, and trying to do it in a responsible way. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'll be. I'll, I, I will stay. Stay focused on this story because I'm. I'm very interested well, to learn. The next more one about. goes along right with it. Mm. Jan says author Rikudan has won Japanese Akutagawa Prize with a science fiction novel that was partly generated by AI. She explained that she estimates about five percent of the book quotes sentences generated by Chat GPT. According to BNN, Kudan, quote, credits the AI chatbot with unlocking her potential and inspiring a significant portion of the book's dialogue. Her novel, Tokyo to Dojotu, uh, set in a futuristic Kyoto, uh, sorry, Tokyo prison, explores artificial intelligence as part of its themes. So that's interesting. I like that. Yeah, this is th- this to me is is not uh, not much different uh, than than what the Chinese journalism professor was doing, uh, except in the amount. In that case, it sounds like he had it write a first draft and then he polished it up, which is letting the machine do a lot more of the, of the heavy lifting. Whereas this author used it to adorn her writing. So her right as, as she was going, she needed some sentences. She needed some quotes here and there. I was like, chat GPT, what should I have that say? Uh, and then use that. It's a different way of doing it, but it's still a collaboration. This is what I'm interested in. I haven't obviously read her book yet, so mm-hmm. I don't know of for sure. Um, but I wonder if the quotes that she generated were for the AI characters in the book. And she actually did that to have a more re- realistic mm-hmm. interpretation of yeah. how an LLM would, would interpret talk. these conversations. Yeah, yeah. And in that case, I think 100% back that fully. I think that's an awesome idea and a really cool use of this technology, yeah. personally. I I think I think using these tools to to provide prompts for us, you know, we prompt them to then prompt us, uh, is, is is a cool cool way of using it. I agree. Yeah, I mean that's that's how I in my work use GPTs um, to essentially prompt me to ask it the right questions to to get mm-hmm. the appropriate answer that I'm looking for or the appropriate thought to be triggered. Um, and so it, it really is interesting. Uh, it's funny. So I, I have a LinkedIn premium because it got paid for as part of my severance. Oh, okay. And, um, one of the things it does is it will give you like auto-generated, uh, headlines for your LinkedIn page Oh, and it keeps, I don't know why it's not in my profile anywhere as far as I know, but mm-hmm. it keeps saying that I'm a prompt engineer. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever said that. But it's, have, why do you have, want to put that in my headline? Have you have you you have you used that tool? Like have you given prompts to it? Is that a no. tool like yeah, so it's not like a chat No, GPT's. it's just like it's, it's just, just like it looks over your profile and just generates some headlines for huh. you. And it keeps over and over trying to Maybe it's just because it's popular and mm. I have that I've worked on AI products in my profile. And so it's like <laughs> the AI is basically like any, assumptions. anybody can be a prompt engineer if you I know, know half right? of them. Yeah. yeah. It's kind yeah. of embarrassing for it. Uh, Mark uh, is one of the first of many people uh, that we will talk about here, uh, acknowledging what's going on with the Hugo Awards. Now, Mark's part was to say the nominating and final ballot stats were published. Sordenlater's on the list of fancast nominees, see page 34, but did not get enough nominations to crack the top six. <laughs> Jan added, 
Interestingly, Babel by R.F. Kuang was ruled ineligible, and that seems mm-hmm. very strange considering how praised the book has been. Mm-hmm. Joanna noted, there is a slightly enlightening discussion at file 770 and included a link that we will add. Paul added, not only was Babel excluded from eligibility from the Hugos, but so was Ziran J. Zhao, author of The Iron Widow, fan writer Paul Weimer, and episodes of the Sandman TV series. Jiron's Twitter feed also shares some of the discourse concerned members of the science fiction and fantasy community have shared with Dave McCarty, the administrator for the last Hugos. And there was a discussion amongst uh, sword and laser shields uh, on Discord as well about all of this. There does not seem to be a lot of transparency into why, what the reason is that Kwong was ruled ineligible or any of the others that have been ruled ineligible other than kind of broad statements from the committee to say, uh, wherever we host the Hugos, we follow the local laws. And in this Mm. case, we are following the local laws. That tells me that Chinese officials had something to do with these being ruled ineligible and also said, you can't tell them why we're telling you they're ruled ineligible or perhaps didn't even tell them why. Um, Fuck's and so this is this is what happens when you host uh, a, a conference in China. You have to play by their rules. Who could have seen this happening? <laughs> Who possibly could have anticipated that this would have been a problem? It's crazy that nobody on the internet said anything about this being an issue. Oh, it's so weird. Hmm, I'm confused. I don't understand. I'm just a girl. <laughs> Why are you doing that voice? I don't know, but it sounded kind of like an anime voice, didn't it? it? I didn't know I could to, do that yeah. voice. Yeah. You, yeah, I started to imagine you as a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> like really big eyes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I don't think, uh, you know, the sarcasm dripping from Veronica's voice uh, <laughs> uh, is, is a surprise either. Um, this, I mean, yeah. Actions have consequences. You went to I well, and here's the thing: I don't think anyone, to their credit, I guess, from the Hugo side, is saying they're shocked or upset or didn't know this is going to happen. They're just saying, "Yeah, the, we have to follow the rules." That's that's what happens when we're here. The fact that Babel, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know much about these the other situations. The fan writer, the I, mm-hmm. I don't know much about these other situations, but the fact that Babel was ineligible is like so astonishing to me and offensive. Like it's just like like one of the best books of the year, like hands down, mm-hmm. like across the board. It's so it's just so insulting. I don't know. I just I'm grossed out, grossed I, out. I think what I don't understand about this. Uh, and I have not, I'll be honest, I have not looked into it terribly closely. I haven't read through all the things. Uh, but why would the nominees be subject to local laws? It's one thing to say, like, we will not allow R.F. Kuang to speak. Uh, mm. And I suppose. I mean, that would still be pretty insane but yeah but i I would i I would totally understand that like oh china has decided that this person is you know well that's why we weren't allowed to be nominated because tom's banned in china i am banned in china uh we also didn't get the vote so it didn't come up but we i don't know we might not have because i don't know that might be why who 
Daily Tech News Show was not <laughs> no, uh, is not. I can't even joke there. about that because that like minimizes what's actually happening here. So I'm sorry. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah. I'm just making light of of our situation. But yeah, this is super super serious. Well, super and, serial. And where I was trying to get to was if I'm running the Hugos, why do I have to change my nominee list based on the host country? Mm-hmm. It's, is it illegal to have nominees? Is it illegal to say the name out loud? Is it legal to you? You know, what, what exactly was a local law? Uh, and I do understand that, uh, under Chinese rules, a lot of times you're just not allowed to talk about why you've been told not to do something. Um, right. which is why I didn't think it was a great idea to locate it here. And, uh, I just, I just period underline, do not agree with the Hugo's not allowing uh Kwong to be nominated when Kwong should be nominated period yeah. uh unless you can give me a satisfying explanation of why they're ineligible not just because local laws we're following local laws but what were those mm-hmm. local laws and how did they apply here and why would the hugos decide to continue to uh agree with those local laws if those local laws are inconsistent with the principles of the Hugos. I think those are yeah. all very important questions for the Hugos to answer because like you said, this is one of the best books of the year probably has a chance to win the Hugos. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So you are now saying because of where you happened to host the, the world con that you are potentially changing who will win the Hugo. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, that is really like this decision had consequences yeah. and the consequences are that they are hurting the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Hurting the sanctity of the awards, I guess, in yeah, a way. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, to, to put it pretty, you know. I personally would prefer if the Hugos decided to do the unprecedented thing of not being held at Worldcon, hmm. just say, you know what? Actually, we're going to hold the Hugos separately. We're going to do them online, do them somewhere else. Not going to be associated with Worldcon. And maybe that's not an option. Maybe the Chinese government would be not okay with that either. Um, they might have backed themselves into a corner. But to me, you you don't take one of the best books of the year and disqualify it without a very good and very transparent reason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, we, we obviously have very strong feelings on this and I would love to hear other opinions from the audience. Um, so let us know what, what is your take on this feedback at swordandlaser.com. Thanks to everyone who submitted quick burns to the show. You can do so over on Goodreads or over on our discord Uh, But let's jump into Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. All right. We got an email. Oh, sorry. Uh, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You were tippy tapping, um, so I didn't know if you wanted me to take it. (laughs) Oh, I can tippy tap and talk at the same time. Uh, Adam wrote, hey, Tom and Veronica, I recently listened to episode number 480 after noticing a bunch of people clicking over to hardcover in our analytics. I just wanted to reach out and say thank you for the mention and trying out hardcover. We're still a relatively small book tracking site, having just launched in October 2023 after two years building and iterating. We just recently hit 5,000 members and feel like we're just getting started. We're an open book on our numbers and stats, so if you have any questions about anything, let us know. 
If you have any feedback or wish list items for a book website in general, I'd love mm. to hear your thoughts. Uh, this is Hardcover's first mention on a podcast. And for that, I'm super Aww. grateful and excited. Thanks again, Adam. Uh, we have not responded to this email because we're horrible people. And also, I haven't signed up for Hardcover. So I need to do that right now. <laughs> Hey, Adam, you hiring? <laughs> Need a director of product? <laughs> this was not an elaborate I have ploy. ideas. Yeah. I have ideas. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not kidding. Uh, yeah, we should write back. I haven't checked the email in a while because I've been so worked up on, on work stuff. Um, but yeah, this is this is really cool. I'm so glad that we were their first podcast mention. I know. Thank I'm you, very Adam. Excited. Thanks for writing in. And th- Yeah, and that was so nice of Adam to, to just write in. So... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm joining hardcover right now. (laughs) Sweet. All right. Steven, uh, wrote in on discord, I believe to say, I really, really, really wanted Murderbot to employ the animation that is used in some of Netflix love, death and robots episodes. Uh, watch season three in vaulted halls entombed and imagine Murderbot being presented in that way. Also, since Murderbot keeps the faceplate down around humans, is this not going to be like Mandalorian situation? Kind of kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. I think I think that could be that could definitely be a way they go with it. Like maybe we never see Skarsgård's face. That would be a reason to pick Skarsgård because he's tall and lanky, so he looks yeah. like he's augmented already. Like we already know, Murderbot is like very tall and buff, and you know, like imposing. So yeah, maybe maybe we never do find out. That Murderbot looks like Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> I actually hope that's the case. That would make it really fun. Yeah, I, I, I think. I mean, honestly, he's going to take the the helmet down sometimes, as does uh, Mandalor Mando, uh, but but it's rarely. And so I think that I think that could work. I kind of like this. I like this idea quite a bit. Coyote Brown says, is Murderbot tall? I thought Murderbot was entirely unremarkable. I strongly remember Murderbot being very physically imposing. Yeah. But I don't know if that's just my own No, I, I And I'd have to look it up too, but I have a vague memory of them talking about how augmented humans and sec units uh, in particular um, have, you know, they're bigger and taller and faster and all that. Cause they're like engineered to be that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, they are, they are augmented. But now John Nevitz said, didn't art modify their height to blend in. And now I don't remember that either. He all modified right, the walk to, to blend in, but I thought he just walk, looked like yeah. an augmented human rather than mm. augmenting the height. Okay. Several people are typing in discord. So this is, <laughs> this is, an, an important shortened legs, Mark says. Okay, oh, okay. so Murderbot so, was uh, re-augmented, but Sarah thinks the height didn't get... Okay, well, you know, it's fine. Well, the show will happen regardless of our memories of the book series, and then we'll have answers. Oh, so good. Um, all right. Uh, we have a new book of the month. Do you want to... Did we do a, uh, a, 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 a Patreon thing? We did. Uh, I a did kickoff? a book, book briefing yesterday. Um, and if you're a patron at the all but the lowest level, you can read that. Uh, the book is called Shadow of the Gods by John Gwynn. Uh, and Veronica, you picked it. Why? Because I was told it's like reading Skyrim. I've started it. So far, it is 
So far, it feels it's like reading pretty Skyrim. pretty much like yeah. reading Skyrim. I mean, we haven't got to the most Skyrim-y parts uh, that, that you could get to, but but what what I have gotten to, I'm like, yeah, all right, this could be, you know, this could be a, an early mission. This could be an early scene. Yeah, I could see it. Well, it's like it feels it's it's Norse mythology based. Um, so there's a, a lot of that. Uh, there's dragons, allegedly. Um, so that very, very Skyrim vibe there. There's a lot of like mead halls and things like that, yep. which if you play Skyrim. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that because I, I like that vibe. But it is quite dark. Like, let's be clear. Like, this is a this is a high fantasy you know, somewhat, I, I don't want to call it grim dark because I don't know if that's how it identifies in genre terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see, I can see some echoes perhaps of, of grim dark potentially. Um, but yeah, so far I find it very interesting. <laughs> Kyrie Brown says, well, yeah, they didn't have electric lighting. Of course it's dark. Oh, come on. Come on. All right, fine. I walked into that one. Uh, I am now a member of hardcover. Just so you know. Congratulations. I feel better. You. Are you? No. Well. But I'm also focused on what I'm doing right now. I'm like focused on the task at hand, which is hosting which this is podcast. Which is signing up for hardcover. The most important <laughs> thing. Uh, Tom Mahomey um, said, I'm very busy and I can't tell if that's being sarcastic. This is how easy it is to set up. I actually, imported, I actually imported my Goodreads and signed up while hosting another podcast. That's pretty, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. UI. good. Yes. Well done. Hard um, all, all right. right. Uh, good yes. So the other things about John Gwynn uh, is that he was born in Singapore technically because his par- parents were stationed there, but he's from the UK and that's where he lives. Uh, and lives in Essex. Um, let's see, where is that? East Sussex. Sorry, not Essex. East Sussex. Uh, he's a Gen Xer, born September 21st, 1968. Uh, lives with his wife, children, and dogs. Has worked at a French restaurant in Canada. So there's a little Canadian mm. connection for you. Uh, played double bass in a rock band. Uh, was a lecturer at Brighton University. Um, and, uh, started writing because he always told his children bedtime stories and that just kind of became a writing job or became a thing that he wanted to write and then became a career. So good for you. Yes. I got Veronica on hardcover. Yeah. What? I got the username Veronica. Oh, so you're signing up for hardcover now. Yes. Very good. (laughs) I'm like, you got her, but you are her. Um, oh yeah. No, you got the name. Nice. Nice. Very good. You have to you have Ooh. to find me once you uh, once you sign up and follow me. I'm only following. I haven't gotten Adam my own name me. as a handle in a long time. There it's you been go. A long time. That is the key. Uh, this is not interesting reading. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Interesting listening to have us talk. So anyway, Shadow of the Gods. Uh, it mm-hmm. is it is much more serious than Kings of the Wild was, but uh, it's adventurers uh, and you know. The gods are dead. This is the book jacket stuff, uh, but mm-hmm. their bones are still around, and that causes a problem. <laughs> it's Norse-inspired oh, fantasy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Here, here's the okay. book jacket. After the gods warred and drove themselves to extinction, the cataclysm of their fall shattered the land of Vigrio. The main characters are a huntress on a dangerous quest, a noble woman who has rejected privilege in pursuit of battle fame, and a thrall who seeks vengeance among the famed mercenaries known as... The Blood Sworn. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
That's Varg. Varg. His name is Varg. Varge? Varge? Varg? Varge? Varge? Varg? Varg? Um, I don't know how to pronounce a lot of things in this book, so that's going to be fun. Are you reading or listening? I am reading this one. I think it's Varg so because I was listening, and I think I remember okay. it being Varg. said Varge. Okay. 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 But that's good. I'll, I'll listen again and make sure <laughs> before I end the one. Helpful. Um, yeah, so now they're teasing me because I, I did multitask and sign up for hardcover after uh, giving you a hard time about oh, multitasking. Oh, yeah, that's, part of, that's what Veronica hardcover. does. Um, <laughs> oh, that's what Veronica does. Um, but I felt a lot of social pressure in that moment to like. Oh, sure. Blame what me. What if I had waited and I hadn't gotten my username? See, aren't you glad? Things could have been very different. All right. Um, let's kick off then. Um, I'm sorry. We need to wrap up. We need to wrap up. Yes, it's going to be spoiler. It's getting spoilery in here. If you don't want to be spoiled on The Shining Girls by Lauren Bucus, uh, go away because we're going to spoil things. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. Something about um, something about clicking around on this website has now caused my browser to crash, and oh, so I can't no. <laughs> pull up the <laughs> the doc. Hold on. Oh yeah, nothing's working at all now. This is great. <laughs> Great. You can kick things off. All right. And I'll catch um, up to you. So, spoiler warning has been given, and we dive right in with a post from Steve. What was the shining mechanic? I'm not sure if this is worth a new topic, but I'll post it anyway. What exactly was the shining mechanic? My impression is that the women brightly glowed, indicating they had some sort of high potential. However, the glowing seemed to be inconsistent. At one point, someone gives away her location around a corner because they are shining so brightly. However, at the same time, Kirby is able to shadow Harper, despite also apparently glowing like a light bulb. And if the girls are destined to die... Kirby doesn't save anyone by killing Harper. She just restarts the cycle. What exactly Mm -hmm. makes them special other than being victims? In any event, I'm not really sure why this is classed as science fiction. To my mind, the hand-waving and literal ghost in the machine means this is straight-up fantasy. I actually, I read through all the comments on this thread, and I really agreed with Matthew, which is kind of how, what my perception was. Um, Matthew said, uh, I I read all the Shining stuff as the diluted projection of a disturbed and homicidal mind. To me, the time travel was the only thing that made this SF at all. Yeah. And yeah, I think to me, the, the Shining was less literal and more just like he had the sense of like, well, I guess it was kind of reverberating through space and time yeah, about yeah, yeah. like, you know, like mm-hmm. the strong sense of who he had to kill and why. Um, yeah. I felt like the shining was metaphorical in that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of comments about like, well, why, why these women, why these girls, what was special about them? And I got the sense too, that like, even though they may not necessarily have been noticeably important, their presence in the world for whatever reason was, well, you know what? Maybe no. Maybe they were only shining to to him. You know, maybe maybe they didn't actually have any importance in space time wow, really? that he was so, correcting or fixing. This part seemed so uncontroversial and obvious to me when I was reading. Tell it. me more. I was like, oh, these are people with potential. And they yeah, have, well, that's what I thought it was. They supposed have potential to, be. to change the world, and this force, this malevolent force, wants to keep the world the way it is, and so enables him 
to see them. And that's where it was metaphorical shining. Like Mm -hmm. he would sense their potential and they would shine to him. They wouldn't necessarily shine to other people. Um, and, and so they don't seem particularly important because he successfully cuts them down before they can fulfill their potential. And what I'm saying is, yes, I agree with you that that is how we are supposed to understand the book. But what I'm saying Mm. is I don't really want to give Harper the credit of being smart enough to know what potential these people actually have. And instead, I'm belittling by saying, no, he's just a, Mm. a psychopath and just was having delusions about who and what these girls were. And yes, they were important and they were important to people and they were important to their lives and to the people around them, et cetera. But I almost don't want to give him the credit of like having the ability to sense that they were actually, but he was given that ability. He didn't have himself that ability. No, the house gave it to him, but he was the house. Yes. But only because he went into the house. No, he went into the house, which he had already empowered with his own malevolence. Right, but I still think there he was an died. Out- Dying gave him the power of the house. I still thought there was an outside force in the I house. I think so. No, you think it was a closed loop? I think it was a closed loop, yeah. Yeah. Well, then, then I- Licorice d- agrees with I me. think- <laughs> Agrees with you that because it was the house? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I may, have, I may have just missed that. Uh, but even if that's the case, if you deny the women's potential, then you're not belittling Harper. You're belittling them is how I would feel. So to me, it's his malevolence gives him the ability to seek out that potential and try to crush it. Uh, Maybe. And it, it is, it is the, the amplification of the malevolence that, you know, just just like an angry animal can lash out and try to stop something that threatens it doesn't mean that the angry animal is particularly smart. It's just instinct. So the malevolence has the instinct to be drawn towards that potential. And that way you're not giving Harper credit for being smart. Uh, it's just instinct. Mm, perhaps. Hmm. Maybe we're just not supposed to know. Oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, another comment. Uh, what are we nomming? Which feels so inappropriate for this book. I don't know why. <laughs> it just feels wrong. <laughs> this time, this time just feels weird. Not sure why. Yeah. Jan says, uh, last month we were nomming with our ears, but now we are back to nomming with our, uh, we are back to traditional nomming. <laughs> so what foods, snacks, drinks, or other treats are you enjoying while reading The Shining Girls? <laughs> while reading the gruesome murders of young women. He didn't say that. I did. Are there any food items in the book that stand out? Anything inspired by the novel? And as we haven't done it in a while, we are asking ChatGBT for a cocktail recommendation, and it proposes the Shining Elixir. Ingredients, one ounce of Aperol, two ounce of Lille Blanc, uh, three ounce sparkling water, an orange twist for garnish. Mm. Uh, You fill that glass with ice cubes. You pour the Aperol and the Lille Blanc over the ice. You top a sparkling water and gently stir. Garnish with a twist of orange peel, expressing the oils over the drink before dropping it in. Sip and enjoy. 
It's an Aperol spritz. They said, oh, if you're reading The Shining Girls, you want an Aperol spritz. That's what you Is want. Is there usually Le Le Blanc and Aperol eh, spritz? I, guess, I don't know if that's a, a common thing, but, you know, it's a it's a take on an Aperol spritz, what this tells me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ruth points out that someone got the plate of spaghetti dumped over their head, so maybe eat spaghetti. And Jan asked ChatGPT, and it recommended spaghetti with garlic butter, grated lemon zest, and crispy chili oil. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Steve says, anyone feel like tripe? I do. <laughs> I mean, I feel like tripe. I don't feel like eating tripe. I kind of feel like I am tripe. Mm. He's talking about that because their guts came out. I know. And I feel like That's what guts. what he's talking about. You feel like guts? <laughs> uh, okay, so... I didn't really like this book. I didn't really like it either. And I think it's easy. <laughs> it's easy to not like the book because of, because of its topic matter. And I, I, that is not why I didn't like it. I, I can handle gruesome. I can handle evil characters. I can handle even like a, a, a thing where, where evil wins. Because uh, I think it's important to entertain the kind of stories that we're uncomfortable with. That's not why I didn't like this. I think that's a perfectly legitimate reason for other people to not like it. But that's that's not why I didn't like it. I just found it to be uninteresting sometimes. Mm-hmm. It got mm-hmm. more interesting and I liked it more as I got towards the end. But early on, I just felt like I kind of was not drawn in or surprised. And this is not me criticizing Lauren Bucus. This is me saying I wasn't finding a doorway in. There were lots of things I could look at and go, the writing's great. Characters are interesting. The world she's creating is, is fun, but I'm not finding a doorway here. And I think it was maybe the limitation of the world. And that's what some of the people I think are saying when they say, oh, is this really sci-fi? Is that there's not a lot of mechanics, you know, and right. th- that may not be what she was going for, which is totally fair, but- I wanted it. I wanted to to have more of a world. Uh, and so I asked people to please tell me you liked this book because it's easy, especially in a book club that's been going this long, to just bash every book. Uh, and I'm never surprised when people tell me all the reasons they don't like a book, uh, which is what I just did. Uh, so I wanted people to tell me like, okay, finally, here's one that I don't like because I'm usually on the I liked it side. Uh, tell me why you liked it. That's interesting. And Calvi said, I surprised myself by liking this book a lot. After hearing some snippets about the premise, I had my doubts. First off, what a great writer. Now I'm eager to read her other works. The way the author weaves individual stories with Kirby's quest is a masterful bit of storytelling. I was initially thrown off when the author dated a Dan story to September 11th, 1992. (laughs) It made me ponder about time and our position in it, especially with the comments about time, the universe all on an airplane. That was on purpose, but it didn't feel cheap. I even checked when the book was written and verified that the Cubs were playing in St. Louis on that date. Wow. Uh, He also likes Chicago's portrayal as a character. He says, I wonder if the story would have struck the same chord if it was set in another city. Lastly, I relate to Kirby as we're close in age. I found myself reminiscing about the music clubs and vibes of 89. By the way, I would like a follow-up novel with 56-year-old Kirby and her true crime podcast. What lingers with me is whether the Chicago connection and age similarity were crucial to my enjoyment of the book. Perhaps I'll never know unless an A.R.I. rewrites it in another city or I find myself in an alternate universe where the book is set in Philadelphia. I'll worry about the time travel later. 
P.S. Discord is very quiet on this book, but I will be cross-posting. Yeah. Um, I feel I feel kind of the same way as you, Tom. I, I mean, there were aspects of this book that I liked. I liked Kirby. Um, I liked her as a character. I liked Dan as a character, um, honestly. Like, I, I kind of... The romance was a little bit weird. I'm not sure how... I, I don't remember if we get how old Dan was. He felt substantially older. He felt like mid-30s to me, and she yeah. was like young... Early twenties, right? Maybe even late thirties, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so definitely, definitely a little bit of a of an age difference there, which I I think was part of the reason why he was kind of like this can't probably shouldn't happen, can't happen, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, honestly, like I just I I don't think I was mentally in the place for this type of book right now. Like I just, it, it, it really bummed me out. Like just like the, it's just, I just wasn't in a mental space for it and that's Mm -hmm. fine. You know, I think under normal circumstances, I probably would have lemmed it. Um, but I wanted to see it through and it was short enough that I felt like I could get there and it did. The action did definitely pick up at the end. Like when Kirby's kind of hot on Harper's trail, Mm -hmm. um, that was, you know, that was pretty exciting. Um, I wish Malcolm had had more screen time. (laughs) Like. The, 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 library? the unfortunate, no, the, uh, what was the, the drug addict's name? Oh, oh, well, yeah, yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Um, I, I liked him as a character and it was like his, his chapter that kind of goes through the, the span of his life, mm-hmm. Mal. Yeah. It was, was so heartbreaking <laughs> and like, it's just that, that made me sad, but I wish he had been more pivotal, I think, to the, to the book though he did call the cops. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was definitely pivotal. Um, and yeah, I think there were the, the short kind of looks into the, the lives of the, the women and girls that he, you know, killed or, or impacted was, was sad and heartbreaking and, you know, blessedly short, you know, because I feel like had they been even much longer, it would have been that much more difficult to, to kind of, deal with you know what would have worked for me now that you're saying Mm -hmm. that is if i would have got peeks into their alternate futures oh because that would have given us a little more sadder because you never would have seen it would have been sadder but it would have given us sort of the the i felt like i was missing a little outrage and i think this is why a lot of people were like why were these girls special like it would have answered that Mm, it would have mm -hmm. given it would have made harper feel more evil and you know not that he wasn't evil, but you know what I mean? I don't I mean? think I like, had much trouble with that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it would have been, it would have elevated it from just run of the mill serial killer, bad person to like, okay, this is, this is really awful. Like it would have really hammered yeah. that home. Uh, and then made Kirby's inevitable victory that much sweeter. Um, so yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was iffy on this one. It was, I, it was a type type three. Type three for you. Yeah. Yeah. Type right. three. Like, which is type well, three? Kind of in between. Like, I don't regret reading it, but I also didn't enjoy it, but I'm not mad at it. I don't mm-hmm. feel like it was wasted time. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Same. In the middle. Uh, Tessie Dave uh, decided to try the Apple TV adaptation uh, and said, 
to say it is based on the book is an understatement. <laughs> I only watched mm. the first episode, but it's a very loose adaptation so far. Great cast, but very different from what I pictured from the book. Elizabeth. He, he Ma- later said he meant to have said overstatement. He said understatement, but he meant to say overstatement. Overstatement. Elizabeth yeah. Moss is about 15 years older than the Kirby in the book. Dan is only slightly older than Kirby. It won't be creepy when he falls for <laughs> her. There seems to be weird reality shifts occurring in Kirby's life, which don't happen in the book. Uh, Kirby Mizrachi is not her real name in the show. It is a chosen name. Shardy works for the newspaper and Dan's not a sports reporter. I'm not hmm. sure I'll continue, but it is a lot different. Interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder, I'm curious how violent and gory it is, if at all. Like, I think mm-hmm. that would be something that would prevent me from, from watching potentially. I'd like to see maybe how it kind of turns out. Um, Having him not be a sports reporter really takes something away. I thought that was charming. Because yeah. it felt like he That's really shouldn't be helping her, right? It wasn't like, oh, right. he's the crime beat guy. It was like, he's a sports reporter. Like, why is he getting sucked into this? So I, that made it more interesting for me. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of fun. Like, I liked that aspect about him and how he's trying to, like, get her into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, and she's like, okay, I guess I'll helping. get really good at helping you with this thing I don't care about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they just figured it was too much, too weird, too outside of the story. To maybe they to couldn't get the rights it. to show Major League Baseball footage from that. Yeah, time. <laughs> like the Cubs. Yeah, you know, like probably that's a that's a really good point. You you always thinking of these, Mister Cord Killers. You're always thinking. That's thinking me with that brain using the old noodles. Yeah, but thank you for <clears throat> for everyone who read along and and left comments and and. Uh, yeah, it was a different it was a different kind of book for us. So we were always out here trying new things, trying out new books, seeing what sticks. Um, and yeah, they're not they're it's it's unusual, I think, for both you and I to both at the same time not like a book. Yeah. At the same you know, because well, like, I doesn't generally that like stuff. I generally mm-hmm. enjoy stuff. And this is the first time where it was like I enjoyed it in the end. I guess type three is probably right for me too. That would be type two. Well, what's type three? Type three is you did not enjoy it while it was happening and you do not have fond recollections of Mm -hmm. it having occurred. Yeah. But I'm glad I read it. Yeah. There needs like, it's like a type 2.5. To 2.5. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you to all our shields out there. Our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Uh, thank you so much to the folks who back our show. If you want to help us out, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram, X, and Mastodon at swordandlaser. And all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser and on our Discord. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.